What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. We've been on a bit of an audience building kick lately in our conversations with Dickie Bush about Twitter, with Tori Dunlap about TikTok. And today you're going to meet a longtime listener of the show who built her audience on Facebook. Chantelle Laverne is the founder of FunSensoryPlay.com, which started as a Facebook page in early 2020. And that date is important because that's years after the supposed death of organic Facebook page reach. Since then, she's grown that page to nearly 80,000 followers using some specific improvement engagement strategies that we'll get into, and then turning that following into a pretty nice revenue generating business with multiple streams of income. Notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary with all of Chantel's top tips from the call, are at SideHustleNation.com slash Chantel. That's C-H-A-N-T-A-L. I also put together a free list of 25 post ideas that you can borrow and adapt for your own audience. That's a free download for you at SideHustleNation.com slash Chantel or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. This story starts with Chantel receiving some news about her almost two-year-old daughter. Ready? Let's do it. In November of 2019, we got the diagnosis that my daughter had autism. And that was really, really hard for me. I think I was like on the verge of an emotional burnout. It hits you like a ton of bricks because it's real and it's happening and there's nothing you can do about it. So two months later, so early January, I guess I had the opportunity to take a course And that course was about building an audience. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't have much time because we had a ton of therapy sessions for my daughter because I was going all in. I was going to try and do my best to focus on early intervention for her. And a friend was like pushing me and she's like, this could be good for you. You know, this could give you a focus like on something else, something for yourself. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. And then the course, you had to create a page. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll make it about sensory play because we used sensory play a lot for my daughter because she had a lot of sensory issues. So I'm like, I'm just going to call it fun sensory play. Not really thinking this would become a brand. This would become a blog. This would become products. And here I am. That's interesting. So what was this course? So the course was by Rachel Miller uh, from Moolah Marketer, and the course was basically Grow Your Audience. So it was a very intensive, she's changed the model now, which is great, but it was a very intensive 12-week program where we really focused on creating your page so that you resonate with your audience, the audience you're trying to attract, and then how to build your content and how to create this ecosystem basically for growth. And that's what I learned. And that's what worked for me. Yeah, Rachel is great. I heard uh, Rachel speak at a kind of a a pre-FinCon event, a pre-FinCon conference a few years ago. And so she's like this I guess a marketing mind of how to make things go viral or like how to drive viral growth and and interesting uh, to focus on Facebook. So you signed up for this thing without necessarily a business in mind behind that where you think, well, I could grow my consulting practice or it's like, I just start something totally, totally new. Yeah, totally new. 
and basically just going on a limb where I was like, well, I'm going to just use the activities that I do with my daughter. And to be fair, I'll say this, there was, because again, everything is inspired by my daughter. She was having issues with some of her gross motor skills. So I was trying to find some floor decals that were affordable uh, because I thought, well, she really loves the alphabet, which is very common with kids on the spectrum. And I said, if I had stickers on the floor with the alphabet, I could maybe get her to like jump or, you know, stomp, run, because she would have something engaging in front of her on the floor. So that was my strategy. And I couldn't find anything that was affordable. So I went off, designed my own, did a lot of testing with different suppliers. And then I decided that I was possibly going to sell them because I had made them for myself. And then when FunSense Replay started growing, I mean, six months later, I think that's when I started selling my products, but it took a while. I didn't start off with the idea that I'm going to sell stuff, right? So, Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we'll get into all the, the products and monetization angles. You have a bunch of different revenue streams, which is really interesting because it's like kind of, I think of business models as like, you know, three types of business models, you know, sell a product, sell a service, or this more nebulous audience-based business. And once you have people paying attention to you, then you have all sorts of options. The world opens up to you where you could sell products, you could sell services, but you could also monetize with affiliate relationships, with advertising. And it sounds like you've done a little bit of all of the above. But let's take me back to those those early days again. And like, how do I get a brand new Facebook page off the ground? Let's go into maybe the 80-20 of what Rachel taught you, what you learned to uh, to get this thing from zero to 50,000 followers, even zero to your first thousand. Like, how do you get this thing off the ground? Yeah. And it, it went fast. Like if I go back in my stats, I'm pretty sure that I, within a month, I was at a thousand followers, but it's very, it can be very easy to grow a page if you know how to create that page. So one thing that I would say to people is like, don't do a page about a brand. It's not that they don't care about your brand, but people are a bit selfish in a way that they want it to be about them and not about you. So I would say that the first thing to grow is make a page for the interest of whoever you'd want to attract and then make the content for them. Don't make it for yourself. Don't make content that you think is cool. Don't talk about yourself because people don't care. Most of the time they don't care. They want to know, you know, they they want, how can this benefit me? How can this talk to me? And they want to relate to what you, whatever you share So that would be like the first thing that I would say is like, it's a mind shift where you can have a brand page and you should, but to attract a bigger audience, you would need to have a, an interest page. I call it where it's more about people who are interested in, let's say keto or anything that would be relative to them. So like for me, fun sensory play wasn't a website, wasn't a brand. I just did fun sensory play. And then it just made sense for me to build a brand around it. But that's not how it started. When you're talking SEO, you're talking like Facebook SEO. And I have my keywords or some sort of keywords that somebody might type into this Facebook search engine, which is a number three, number four search engine in the world, or at least in the country. It's like hugely popular people using the search bar on Facebook to type in to discover your brand. And so 
you know, I've given the example when somebody punches side hustle into any search engine, I want them to find me. I want to own that keyword. And so in this case, keyword sensory play, I think Carrie Adams from runningmoms.com, you know, it was like, that was her Facebook page, Running Moms. And so it's like, yeah, if you're interested in this topic, like very clearly, this is the page and this is the group for her. And she had kind of this elaborate funnel system. Like, is there a group to go along with this or is it primary, primarily the page? And then later on came the website. Yeah. So later on came the group. And then it just made sense for me. And and that's something that Rachel doesn't advise us to do right away. So the thing to remember is that I did Facebook only for at least four to five months. And it was a ton of work because you have to interact with your people. You have to share. You have to interact with other groups. You have to interact with other pages. You You build this ecosystem. So my focus was Facebook for four to five months. And that was the strategy that we used. Now, COVID hit in March. I started my page in January. And obviously, it was a beautiful opportunity for me because people were at home and trying to find you know, activities. So I said to myself, well, I'm posting all of these activities on my Facebook, but they need a home. Like they didn't have a home. So that's when I started my blog. But like Rachel was advising against it because then the blog takes away a little bit from your energy from building the page. But I have no regrets. I'll say this because it takes a long time for a blog to start ranking. So I started my blog in April of 2020, but it took a good six months before I really started to get some organic traffic, which I'm very grateful for now because that's what I'm focusing more on. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you say build an ecosystem, what do you mean by that? Or do you have an example of that? So at some point, you can build this ecosystem of similar pages. And it's it's not everyone that wants to play. And that's okay. But you can help. Like when I share a post from another page, I know that A, I can help them grow their page. And B, if let's say I'm sharing a post that's been viral on their page, and I share it to mine, it's also helping. I'm get, I, I'm jumping on the train, basically. So it's helping my page as well, because it's already have it already has momentum. And then it gives my page momentum. And Facebook likes that. It's learning which groups you can interact in. I have groups that I know specifically now that if I share this type of content in this group, it's going to go crazy. I have those groups. I've built relationships. It's creating friends too. I have a lot of friends now that are bloggers and we're in similar niches. We don't see each other as competitors and we just help each other out. So if one releases a book, then you share it and then vice versa. So that's the ecosystem that I'm thinking of. Are these formal like share for share arrangements or is it just kind of like, especially when you you have zero followers, like I'm going to look for similar pages. I'm going to find their most popular, most engaging posts and just share those to my page. If they've done well over there, they might do well over here. That's right. So you can, but if you have zero followers, that's going to do nothing for you because the goal is to share at the beginning. You just want to create a lot of your own content. Yes. Like sharing from other pages will help because if you see, when you go to Facebook, they recommend other pages. So Usually those recommendations are pages that are similar to the one that you're viewing. So if you're, if, if someone was very interested in like this page called uh, kids crafts and play or whatever, then they would go to that page. They follow that page. They enjoy it. I start interacting with that page. I start commenting on their posts. I start sharing their content Facebook will recognize my page because I've been interacting with that page and they might start referring my page back like as I you might also like and then I show up. Okay, and interacting as your as fun sensory play versus as Chantel. Okay. Right. So that's also part of the ecosystem. That's something that she and that's why I'm saying it's a ton of work. It's a ton of work that a lot of people don't want to do. It's also, you know, it's time consuming. But once you learn all of this, then, and once you've done it, then you know, like now I pick and choose what I want to do. I can't do everything because it's too time consuming because now I have more channels opened up and I also want a business out of this, but it's, it's gold. I mean, I can revive a page in no time because I know the tricks. Are there a handful of content templates or examples that you can share of something that has done well for you? I think it's going to depend on your niche. Really focus on 
creating your own content, see what clicks, understand your audience, understand what they like, what do they want? Because I mean, my number one tip, if you want to grow a page, is that you need to create content that people will love and share. The shares is what will automatically push your page to like a lot of followers. Because the more you share, the more you get exposure, it gets exposed to people that aren't following you. And then it's like free advertising, really. And that's what you want. In your case, is that image posts? Is that memes? What does that look like for you? For mine, it's activities. And the cooler they are, the easier they are. My audience loves something that's cool, something that's different. If it's easy, even better. Um, because obviously parents are busy. That's what they want. And a mashup also, like if I post, you know, I have one post that I post back every two months or so, and it's 17 sensory activities, and it's a post and they all list the activities. Um, There's no images, there's zero image of like the actual sensory activity. It's just words. And it goes nuts every time. I can reach like a hundred thousand people with that post because it's a mashup. I learned this from my own audience is that they love a post that's like a resource because they find it valuable. And when they find it valuable, they're going to share it and they're going to tag people and they're going to be like, Oh, so-and-so. Cause I have a lot of educators too that are following my page. So I have a mix. I have parents. I also have homeschoolers. I also have some therapists too. So there's a good mix of people following my page. And if it's an educator, then oftentimes they're going to tag their team and be like, oh my God, have you seen this? Tag, tag, tag. And then what happens is that I get new followers and oftentimes they share. And then I'll have people that will take my post and share it in a group for me, which is amazing. (laughs) So they're in this group for like kids stuff. They take a post, they share it in the group, and then it goes bonkers in the group, right? So it's just an awesome ecosystem. And that's why I struggle with Instagram, I think, is because you can't build that on Instagram, not as easily as you can on Facebook. Yeah, I'm going through some of the the feed here at facebook.com slash fun sensory play. And some of these posts have hundreds of different shares. Some of these, it looks like you're sourcing from Pinterest, from other pages. This is an image of a homemade cardboard box maze tunnel system that has 123 shares. And that's what's amazing is that I've built this audience that when they do stuff, they send it to me. So that post was actually a follower. She created that for her kids in the living room, took pictures. And I think she either sent it to me or posted it in the group. And then I asked her, I said, could I share this? I, I said, this is amazing. And she's like, yeah, for sure. People are always happy. And then I'm like, sure. And then I, you know, I tag her for reference. And so there's, once you start building this audience and they, they love what you do, they love you, they, they love your content, they also share, right? So that's also great for content. And some of these are from other pages. So here's a share of yours, like a quick video from pre-K pages, 103 shares on um, how to make sensory bags. Looks like they're dumping a bunch of glitter and ingredients and glue into these things or into Ziplocs. So I go on Facebook, I search, and that's how I found, I found that post. And then I went to her page and I was like, oh, it's a small page. 
And that's great. I also know that, you know, I feel good knowing that when I share this, I might help her page, right? And hopefully the shares and everything brought her a bit of a boost, you know, to her page. Um, and that's, that's what I call the ecosystem. And if everyone plays together and they see the benefit of doing, of helping others too, without having a formal <laughs> agreement in place, obviously, it's just really nice. It's nice to do this. And I'm helping my audience in the end. I'm helping my audience because they loved it. Right. I don't care yeah. where the content is coming from. I don't need the credit. My goal for my page is to become the resource for sensory play where people come to. You don't know how it makes me feel when I'm just a regular mom. I'm just a mom from Canada and I, I don't know. I'm, I just feel like I'm just a regular mom and people keep tagging my page and they're like, you have to follow this page. It's amazing. They tag other people. And then I'm becoming that resource. And, you know, that's what I want. As long as I'm helping another mom, as long as I'm helping an educator, inspiring people to play more with their kids, that's all that matters to me. And so this is actually helpful because it's like, man, this is a lot of content to create, but it's helpful to see that, okay, some of these are, it looks like your own original graphics and, and stuff that you have created, but a lot of it is sharing other people's content or repurposing their posts, their images, their videos. This is how to spray paint a roasting pan to make an ultimate low-budget Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles costume. And it looks awesome. There's a bunch of kids running around with these things uh, strapped to their back. 128 shares, you know, 300 and something likes, you know, so it's just kind of becoming, and, and I heard you say this at the beginning, is like creating content for something that your audience is interested in. These little activities, bonus points if they're like low-cost, easy-to-do activities, and just becoming part of that ecosystem. I mean, the downside of that is, like you said, you got to love it. It's the the time required, this involvement. I'm curious what, if there was a posting schedule, did you, oh, I was at three times a day, you know, at nine, noon and six, I was posting every day. It was like, was it more fluid than that? I'm curious about the the time investment here. I usually try to have at least two weeks scheduled out. And then I might see a post that's going viral and then I'm going to share it and then modify my schedule. Right. But for the most part, you can use a weekend to pretty much schedule like, you know, 90 days of posts and it's doable. And then, and then you're three months and you're done. So at the beginning of your page, you should be posting maybe like twice a day. And then as your page grows, cause you don't want to look spammy. Like that's the thing too, is you don't want to look too spammy in the eyes of Facebook. Right now I could probably post four to five times a day and I wouldn't look spammy. Most days I post three, sometimes I post four. And yes, I do have specific times. Like I know that my post that I put at 8.30 in the morning, 8.39 depends, could probably go viral. The post that I put around 11.30 noon, it depends. It depends. Sometimes it's a home run. Sometimes it's not. And then I post at the end of the day because it feels like, you know, it's the end of the day. People go on Facebook, look what's going on. And then there's another surge there. So it depends again on your audience. But usually for me, my best post is in the morning. Any tools and tech that you're using to schedule these posts out or even source the material for them? I just use Creator Studio to schedule all my posts pretty much. That's an internal Facebook tool? 
Exactly. So I just use Facebook to schedule my posts and then to create the actual posts, like the graphics and stuff. Yes, I do use like Canva. And then I also love, I do a lot on my phone. Maybe that's why I love this because I work on my phone, I'd say 75% of the time. So I'm going to do my posts, like my quotes and stuff. Most of them are done on my phone with Adobe Sparks. I love that. App. So that's one that I use a lot. There's also a ton of free pictures on there, which is great to use sometimes if you need them. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, I've heard it, rumblings and rumors like, well, you know, don't don't use uh, Hootsuite or Buffer or any of these other things to to post. Like, you want to make sure it's like there's no third party software in between you and your Facebook uh, audience. There. What came next? So now you you follow these engagement strategies. You're building this ecosystem things are starting to go viral. You're seeing some growth on this page. At one point, you say, well, I'm spending a lot of time here. I would really like to be able to monetize this hobby that has become a business or this side project that has uh, has got some potential. Five months later, I was probably at close to 30,000 likes probably by then, maybe a little less, but I had my blog. And then in May or June, I launched a store where I started selling the decals. Because I said, well, I have this audience now. I might as well try. So I started selling the decals. And then slowly I added on. So in June as well, I launched my first self-published book on KDP. And it became a bestseller because of my audience. I have to say that the audience helped me. It was a kid's book. And obviously my audience loved it and they wanted to support me. I also got support from other pages and groups. And so it really went well. And that book is still selling super well a year later. Okay. So the decals, this was a physical product that you designed that you had imported. And were were you carrying inventory for that? Or is this an Amazon uh, FBA thing? Um, No. So I was, well, there's a bit of Amazon FBA. So I did sell it on Amazon and, but I was mainly selling it on my site. Okay. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. And this is a, at funsensoryplay.com. This is a, a Shopify setup or another shopping cart system? No, I've used uh, WordPress and WooCommerce. That's how I'm set up for the shop. Did you find when... Um, you know, I'm posting all of this uh, engaging content for my audience. And now I'm trying to sell something. Like, was there any difference did you see in the Facebook algorithm and reach for the audience that you built up? Yes. So every time that you try to sell a product, there's going to be a drop. 
in reach. But that's why it makes sense to focus on building your audience first and your engagement. Because if your engagement is high, let's say I post about my book or I post about the decals, even if I only reach 2000 people, I could make 50 sales because I have 50,000 followers. Well, right now I have 78,000 followers. I have 58,000 likes, which is also a great sign, by the way. So if a page has 20, so my page has 20,000 more followers than likes, then that's great because I'm getting a lot of people that want to follow the page. Um, and Facebook was also moving away from likes. I'm not too sure what they're doing with us. At, at some point they had said that we were just going to have followers, um, but now they seem to still have the likes. So I don't know, but yeah, so that's confusing. Yeah. So because you've grown that page so much because you have so many followers and because your engagement is high, then your engagement is going to be higher on your sale post because you already have that engagement going. Then if you just had a very small page and your engagement is low and you try to sell, it's probably going to fall flat on its face because you don't have that momentum going. And also when your page, when your audience loves you and your audience knows, you know, what you're doing and where you're coming from and they support you. So you'll get more shares, you'll get more people loving. And, but I also have to say that it's also something that it uh, can also validate your products. So if you're posting something and you end up getting no sales or no traction, then obviously your audience might not love it, right? And it's also how you present, which I'm still working on. I might not be the best at selling. I feel bad for some reason. (laughs) It's just, you know, I would just want to do this for free, really, because I love doing what I'm doing. But yeah, so it's just, it's, you can learn a lot from your audience. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad. That's always the, it's always the question mark. Did I just get screwed by the algorithm or was it just really not that great of a product? (laughs) How come nobody bought this? Uh, I'm trying to go through and look for a sales post example of yours here, just to see you know what the difference is or how you how you message them. So they are rare, and that's that's important to see too. It's like okay, do you have a rule of thumb? Like for every ten engagement posts, I'll post one sales post or one product post. I'll say this: I'm doing better on sales posts and stories. For some reason, I'm not too sure why. They do better in stories. There's more swipe ups. There's more clicks. And then, you know, when a story does well, then Facebook shows it to more people. And I'm also getting people from that are not necessarily loving following my page. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see. It's like affiliates. Like when I share an affiliate product in my story, it often does much better than a post. And I'm still trying to figure out why. It depends on what it is too. Like if I, if I share something that's really cool, then yeah, it's going to get, you know, more traction. But I mean, I think that following your question about like how many times do I post, I try to do a few posts a week now to try and sell, but they mostly, I would say they're mostly in my stories. So they disappear after 24 hours or so. But um I guess my focus, I'm trying to transition to building more my email list and selling them on my email list because I find that that works better. So, oh, okay. 
Talk to me about that, because I did find a good example of that on a recent post, but would love to hear you explain it on the how to drive email signups from Facebook. I am the first one to admit that I suck at it. I am still learning this. This is fairly new for me to try and redirect my traffic to my blog, because obviously that wasn't the focus. You know, when you build your audience, you shouldn't be moving people away from Facebook. But I'm at the point now where that's what I want. And I've also turned on ads on my website with Ezoic. So I also know that I should utilize my audience that I have to come to my site, as well as my email list that's growing. I mean, I have almost 7,000 people on my email list. So if I utilize my list and I utilize Facebook and I utilize my Facebook group and I send them all to my website, then my traffic goes up which also helps for my sales, also helps for my ads, like everything, all the traffic that I can get is helping me overall. And obviously the email list, I see it, you know, as gold is just, I'm trying to really cultivate that gold right now, (laughs) which is not easy for me, I guess. Yeah. The example that I saw, which I thought was really well done is a post of yours that says, here's a free sensory Activity Cube. It's a at-home printable file, and this is done really well. It's you know it's got options like hop like a frog, stomp your feet, clap your hands, crawl like a worm. It looks cute, you know, well designed. Probably uh, a Canva design or something of yours, but it's got a hundred shares on it. It seems to be done really well, and that leads to a landing page on your site or a blog post on your site. It looks like where there's an email opt-in. Hey, you know, punch your email in here, and I'll send you this uh, this printable. So it seems like stuff like that has done well. Anything else that you've seen convert Facebook likes and followers to these uh, 7,000 email subscribers? I would say my pop-up for them to save on their first order, that is converting very well. That That's working super well. I would say I'm getting probably 500 signups a month, at least just from the pop-ups. Um, and that's a discount either for the decals or the sensory boxes. That's been good. And that this is also something that I want to say is that your page, your business, if it becomes a business, will evolve because you get to see what do I like? What do I enjoy? And I think it's very important, again, to enjoy what you're doing. So for myself, I can tell you that I enjoy doing books. I enjoy doing resources like that cube, like you said, it's free. It's also my freebie that I have on Teachers Pay Teachers because I'm also there now selling resources for teachers. But that's really something that I love. I love doing that. And, you know, there's a part of me that wants to move away a little bit from physical products because I've been an Amazon seller since 2017. Prior to this business. Yes, prior to this business, it was an amazing experience, still is. I still sell on Amazon a little bit, but I'm moving away from it because the product, it's a heavy business. I find it heavy myself. When you have a young child and you're trying to navigate this and you have to ship boxes and store things and the inventory that you're carrying and all the financial side of it and the accounting part and I'm just exhausting saying this to you. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a lot. And I think I enjoy more when I get reviews from my book or from my printables that I create for teachers. And the reviews come in and they're like, oh my God, the kids love this. And it makes me smile. 
you know, because I wanted to be a teacher. Like that side note, you know, all my life I was going to be a teacher. And I worked with kids all my life up to like 20. Tell me about the books because these are KDP print on demand paperbacks and they're like alphabet books, coloring books, mazes. Tell me about what you've created over there. My first book was inspired again by my daughter because she has a love for the alphabet and numbers. So I decided to create a tracing book for toddlers, but I made a jumbo. So it was jumbo letters and I thought it would would be easier for her as well. And that's what I did. So that was my first book that I created. And then I self-published on Amazon KDP, which is amazing. It wasn't to make money. It was just to say that I had created my book and then it became a bestseller. And then to be able to sell a book around the world is pretty amazing. Right. Carry no inventory. It's so cool. Yes. I love it. So that's where I'm getting at is that once you touch this, once you get a feel for this life of like creating content, whether it's print on demand, whether it's, it's, you know, KDP, whether it's printables, it's hard to stick with products because you're like, hold on, I could create this product once and I've been selling this. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work. It was a lot of work to put my book together, but I've been selling it for the last 14 months. And I don't have to do anything. Now I sell sensory boxes, which is great, but it's like I'm on a hamster wheel because I have to pack the box every single day. And I have to push for the sale every single day. When you create a printable, when you create something like that, and it just sells on its own, you're like, okay, hold on. (laughs) Where should I invest my time? Right? Because it's amazing to do money in your sleep. It's amazing to wake up and be like, oh my God, I sold 40 books today. Amazing. It's a feeling that you're just like, wow. You know, it's like a, it's like a Zoic. Now I'm starting, listen, it's very little, um, but to see that <laughs> I start, starts. I know, right? So, but to see that, I'm just like, wow, okay. So this is how it all comes together. And now I feel like I have a plan and, you know, I'm utilizing obviously my audience and I'm driving them to my website and then they're signing up and then I send emails and then they go off and they buy my books again. And I feel like I'm building an ecosystem. It's interesting to hear that. Yeah. You, because of this Amazon and e-commerce background the sensory boxes sound like this kind of a wholesale bundle type of arrangement where I'm going to curate a bunch of different products and then parse them out into these different boxes. But yeah, super time consuming super heavy. I like how that you use that language. It's just, it's just heavy when you got a toddler at home and you have all this inventory and you got to pack this stuff. And of course there's, you know, pack and prep centers and it's, it's, uh, there's other options, but then of course that eats into margins and everything else. So kind of, it sounds like transitioning to the advertising model through, you know, Ezoic for traffic on the site, through the printables, model through sales on your site and then through teachers pay teachers through the um you know the book sales on amazon anything else that's ringing the cash register for you these days i have printables as well on etsy so that's something else that i have on there i also have my decals on etsy as well and also i'm also selling some stuff on amazon so i was a reseller on amazon i still am but i pick and choose what i sell so it's only like high profit and whatever's really worth my time so yeah i would say that those are basically you know i could do much better with affiliate sales 
And that's something else that I'm focusing on. I mean, considering the amount of blog posts that I have on my website and the traffic that I'm getting, it's pretty amazing to me because I don't have that many blog posts and I'm trying to be very strategic as to what I'm creating. My latest blog post is now bringing like close to 75 visits a day. And I'm like, that's what I want, right? So I want to be able to create a blog post that's going to go and target a niche maybe that's not untapped and get that traffic. Because that's my goal right now is to really focus on having multiple legs of revenue. What's the, if you're comfortable sharing, the revenue pie look like today? Because it sounds like a really some pretty diverse revenue streams uh, as it is. Yes. So, I mean, summer is never the best, but I'm super excited because last month, well, let's say this month, I'm on track to making $2,000, but that's all, that's all profit. And that's all from my passive revenue. So that's from my books, that's from my printables. And just that to me is amazing because my goal is that if I can pay my bills with my passive revenue, then I'm golden. Because if my daughter, if COVID hits again and the school shuts down, I'll be able to handle it. I'll be able to take care of my daughter and not have to worry about my financial situation. That's what I'm after. And that's what I'm going for. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then what's this foundation to build? I mean, that's awesome in itself. It's kind of like the whole, you know, rich dad, poor dad thing. You know, when you have income from assets that exceeds your monthly expenses, like you're free. Anything else is gravy. And you got now this audience that you built and this platform that you built to continue to expand and serve and come up with new products. I did want to just touch on briefly on the printable creation process because from the folks that I've talked to, it's kind of a volume game where it's like, well, you got to make a hundred things and you know, there's an 80, 20 to what ends up selling and what doesn't, but curious about the product inspiration or creative roadmap. How do you come up with these things? I don't have that many products. I just know what my audience likes. You know, some people on KDP will have like a million books <laughs> because they you know, it's, it's a numbers game and that's great for them. I'm happy for you. I don't want to play that game. I'm more strategic. And right now I have three books that are selling pretty constantly. And if everything goes well, I'm expecting the sales to go up in September. Obviously Q4 is upon us. So I'm hoping for amazing numbers, but I mean, I'm doing fairly well for three books, but I have an audience. I have an email list. I have a Pinterest account that's also doing well. So those things really matter. And it's the same for Etsy or my teachers by teachers. I don't have a thousand listings and I'm doing well, but it's because I've tapped into a niche that is my niche. And I'm also very creative. I think that it's probably an asset of mine that I'm able to use my SEO skills that's first. I can go in Google and I can tell you what people are searching for. I can go in Etsy and I know pretty fairly fast what's popular, what people are. So I try to find stuff that people are looking for, but there's not a ton of resource for. That's what I'm trying to do. Have you found with Teachers Pay Teachers, with Etsy, with Amazon, that if you can give the sales algorithms a little bit of a nudge with your own audience, with the built-in followers that you have, that you start to get some organic discovery? I would say that 
Right. Well, for sure it helps. Um, like on Teachers Pay Teachers, I know that a lot of my traffic is coming from them, but it's also coming from my Pinterest account. I have some pins that are doing super well. That link directly over there. Yeah. And then they convert to sales. Like the conversion is pretty high. So that's pretty good. So knowing that, obviously, I'm going to capitalize on that. And that's going to be my focus. You know, there's a part of me that's like, there's this discussion about should we use third party platforms? And I think that you should be wherever your audience is. Um, There's also a trust factor that people have when they buy on Etsy, when they buy on eBay, Amazon, name it, they have that trust um, that they don't have when they come to your own website. So I'm not going to refuse sales, obviously, but I hope that one day it's going to be mostly focused on my website. But for now, I'm going to be very happy to build my brand, build my name on other platforms and, you know, collect that. But yes, I do feel like I'm not 100% sure though. Do they really give me a kick up because I'm sending traffic? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they really feel that way, but I can, I can tell that in my sales, it's helping me. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) Well, hopefully it lets you seed the listings with some positive reviews so that if people do discover it organically, they're like, all right, you know, it's not a ghost town over here. I'll, I'll take a, take a chance at it. Chantel, this has been awesome. You mentioned Pinterest just now, obviously we spent a bunch of time on growing the Facebook audience. Anything else has worked on the marketing front that we ought to touch on? I'm hoping to find a little more time to do activities on TikTok. I like that you can repurpose. So what I would say is that whatever you do, try to be smart and that you can repurpose. So I've been testing some stuff. So let's say I do a TikTok and then I share that as a a Pinterest pin it does well. If I do a TikTok and I share it as a Facebook post, that also does well. I just have to be smarter and that I'm working on that. I'm still a work in progress. But you know, I think TikTok has a lot of potential, but not only for the platform itself, because I've also shared my TikToks as Facebook stories and they do amazing. I've shared them as reels on Instagram. So I think the repurposing that you can do from TikTok and you you can save that video and then you can share it. Um, I think that has a lot of potential. Okay. That's kind of cool. I didn't even think about that necessarily. I've, I would have figured that your audience was, I would have figured the TikTok audience was, was a little younger than the demographic that you're serving, but. So it's very surprising, you know, cause I mean, for the fidget, so I started on TikTok because everyone was like, oh, you have to go and show off your fidgets on TikTok. And yes, that attracts a very young crowd. For me, I don't know. It, it also attracted some fake orders. It attracted a lot of issues like a kid who stole her grandmother's credit card, placed an order on my website. It, it, you know, it's it's maybe not what I want. (laughs) So yeah. And then I started seeing like, again, some people in my ecosystem from Facebook that they were actually using all the videos that they had already and just repurposing them on TikTok. And they have grown a TikTok following like crazy. Again, it has to be like really cool activities. So if you go on TikTok and you look for kids activities, you'll find a lot of cool stuff. You know, it's been surprising to me. So I know that I would have potential on there, but it's again, a matter of time for myself to really do videos 
a lot, but I'm hoping I can build more from TikTok and then repurpose. I think repurposing has to be in everyone's mind. Why would you want to work that hard when you can do it once and then repurpose it and then use it for multiple streams or channels? I think that's the brilliance of it. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go check out some kids' activities because with you, like early on in the pandemic, Bryn, uh, my wife is like so creative. She's like setting up these like Mission Impossible, like obstacle courses across the living room with these streamers pulled up. And then I'm like, hey guys, you want to vacuum the stairs? And they're like fighting <laughs> over the little dust buster. And she's like, why, why do I even try? Why do I even try? Very cool. So what's next for you? Obviously you got Q4 coming up. What does the future hold for Fun Sensory Play? I feel very grateful forever to have started this page because it brought me back, I think, to my roots. I think it brought me back to where I need to be. And I always wanted to be an educator. I love kids and I always wanted to be in that space. And now I'm realizing through my books and through my printables and the stuff that I'm doing and the feedback that I'm getting, and I'm like, wow, I'm actually doing stuff that is helpful. There's a part of me that's always second guessing myself, right? Because I'm just a mom. You know, I want to do more of how can we use sensory play to help kids learn? Because I think that kids learn best through play, hands down, more than sitting at a desk and listening to a teacher talk for an hour. I think that, you know, that's very important and I'd like to focus on that. So maybe there's a book, you know, maybe I'll work on a book where it's going to be like learning through sensory play. There's so much that I want to do. There's just so much, not enough time. And obviously there's also the part of me, the consultant that wants to possibly help other moms. There's no way I could have helped my daughter like I did in the last 18 months if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. There's no way I could have a full-time job and do all this therapy with her. And the progress that we've seen is amazing. So I'm proud of that. It's been stressful, but like, it's, it's always my thing where I'm, I'm showing people like, Hey, you could do this and you could do that. And I'm good at it. I'm good at mind mapping a business for someone and being like, okay, well, you could use this and do this and do that. So there is that consulting part of me that thinks that one day, you know, I'd love to help other moms build something similar or whatever they want, but like help them stream out and see the possibilities that are out there for them. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm inspired by everything that you've built. And I was just checking the Side Hustle Nation Facebook page. Apparently I haven't posted anything since January. So you've inspired (laughs) me to try and uh, revive and revisit that potential marketing discovery channel as well. Chantelle, you can check her out, funsensoryplay.com. Let's wrap this thing up with a number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I would say that if you're trying to build a Facebook page, look at other pages in your niche. Don't copy. Don't go steal like people's content. Always credit the content to whoever, whether it's a website or whatever. Give people the credit. But be inspired and look like what you just did. You went to my my page and you're like, oh my God, this one has a hundred shares. And oh my God, like, I don't know if you saw, there's one, like the one that I was saying about the sensory play ideas. I think I'm at 600 shares. Well, that one reached 150,000 people. When you see a post like that, go read the comments, see what people are saying, check out whatever clicks for someone's audience that's similar to yours. Chances are it's going to do the same for yours or very similar. Yeah, that's really helpful, both from the work required standpoint, like you you don't have to reinvent the wheel, like just go look at what has worked 
for other people, get some inspiration from that. Yes, be strategic, be intentional, but put your own creative spin on it. But you don't have to <laughs> start completely from scratch. Just follow the leaders, follow the best practices like Chantel has laid out here. Uh, really helpful stuff. Enjoyed this conversation. Excited by what you have built. Again, funsensoryplay.com. Thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. And if ever anyone has a question about anything, they can send me a message on my page, Fun Sense Replay. They have the option to message me there and I'll be happy to answer any questions that someone may have. All right. I took a bunch of notes during this call with Chantel and have three takeaways that stood out to me. But first, can I make a confession? I didn't realize ecosystem was just a Canadian pronunciation of ecosystem until after I hung up and thought a little bit more about it. Since I was like, I know Facebook has been accused of turning into an echo chamber, but it sounds from context, she's talking about something a little different. In any case, we got there. Ecosystem, ecosystem, basically embed yourself in the community. The best content marketing serves the audience. I love Chantel's call to make it about them, not about you. Make it about the audience. So beyond that, three things that stood out to me. Number one was focus. One platform at a time. Later in the call, she mentioned her own blog and her SEO efforts. She mentioned Pinterest, Etsy, Teachers Pay Teachers, TikTok. But it all started with four to five months of consistent, dedicated effort on Facebook and growing her audience there, growing her page. We want to be everywhere, but focus one platform at a time. Takeaway number two was audience first, monetization second. This is straight out of uh, Gary V's jab, 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 right hook, but it was serving first, building that audience first, that then allowed Chantel to sell her products. Her direct quote was, you need to create content that people will love and share. Creating posts that people are proud to share on their own feeds, that's really the key. She called it free advertising because it exposes your content and your page to your following's following, if you will. So you even had 100 plus people sharing her email opt-in. Like, how cool is that? Wouldn't you love to have 100 people share your lead magnet? I thought that was awesome. Takeaway number three was repurpose and diversify. There's always this risk on um, building in somebody else's platform, right? And it's something you almost have to do at the beginning. Go where the audience already is. But over the long run, having all your eggs in that basket, I think that's a risky proposition. And that's why you see... Chantel shifting some of her attention away from Facebook today onto her own blog content, onto building her email list, onto TikTok, onto some of these other platforms where maybe she has a little more control, or at least is a little more diversified. And what's interesting is the tactics are going to be slightly different really on all of these, but the broad strokes strategies are going to be similar, which I think lends itself to repurposing, creating content for the audience, right? This is definitely something that's been on my mind in light of this conversation and some of our other episodes. How can you do more if you're kind of beyond that heads down focus stage from takeaway number one? If you're beyond that, how can you do more with the content you're already creating or the archive content that you've already created? Could a virtual assistant help you with that? Could a social media manager help you with that? maybe to build out a publishing calendar or some sort of content calendar to double dip and spread a wider net on some different social platforms, double dip on the work you've already done. Maybe there's some viral potential there to get you in front of some more target customers. Once again, notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary with all of Chantel's top tips from the call or at sidehustlenation.com slash Chantel. Again, C-H-A-N-T-A-L. While you're there, I also put together a free list of 25 Facebook post ideas that you can borrow and adapt for your own audience. 
That's a free download for you at sidehustlenation.com slash Chantel or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Chantel for sharing her insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.